This is a message that never ever gets old and never ever can get stale and never ever we think we've arrived at that. You need this beatitude every day of your life because you will be tempted like I am every day of my life to think that happiness is found in something other than the ways and the methods and the blessing and the power and the glory of our Savior. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they alone shall be satisfied. Hi again, friends, and welcome to Live in the Light. Well, it's that time of year when great meals are everywhere. But would you believe that God's Word promises us here today the greatest meal ever? Well, it's the truth, and in Matthew 5, verse 6 today, Jesus calls us to hunger and to thirst for the meal that truly satisfies. These are powerful words, listeners, and it's the message for us all, drawing our hearts away from the things that do not fill us to the only one who can. Pastor Robbie explains more in today's teaching from Matthew 5. So let's jump right in now. Here's the thing about this message, man. You need it tomorrow and you need the next day and you need it next week and you need it next month and you need it next year and you need it every day of your existence until you meet Jesus Christ in heaven. This is a message that never ever gets old and never ever can get stale and never ever we think we've arrived at that. You need this beatitude every day of your life. Because you'll be tempted like I am every day of my life to think that happiness is found in something other than the ways and the methods and the blessing and the power and the glory of our Savior. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they alone shall be satisfied. Here's my heart today. Enough of the, enough of the lies of Satan. Enough of, this, enough of this trash. It's time to take out the garbage. Enough of this diet of death. It's time to get to that, which is the best meal ever. And that's why we have one point today. And that's it, one point. Here's the one point. I must hunger for that which truly satisfies. That's it. That's all I want you to take away today. I must hunger for that which truly satisfies. It's simple on purpose. I'm not trying to be clever. I'm trying to make the point that we can never forget. John Stott says this about verse six. He says, there is perhaps no greater secret of progress in Christian living. That gets my attention. Then what? Then what, John? Then a healthy, hearty, spiritual appetite. There is no greater secret of progress in the Christian life than a healthy, hearty, spiritual appetite. Let's talk about that appetite then for a few seconds. What are we hungry for? What are we thirsty for? Verse six, we're thirsty, we're hungry for righteousness. What is this righteousness? This is very important. This righteousness, let's be crystal clear that Jesus refers to here cannot be manufactured by man. It cannot be produced by us. This righteousness is only produced and found and received in Jesus Christ. There is no person that can claim this righteousness on their own. If you were able to claim this righteousness on your own, that means you would have to be without sin. That means you would have to be perfect. Let's take a quick survey. Hands up, who's perfect here? No one is. Therefore, that means then we need a righteousness that is outside of ourselves. 
We depend then solely on a righteousness that we don't have. We have to get it from somewhere. We have to get it from someone and through Jesus Christ. This is what we hunger and thirst for, the righteousness that is only found in him so we can gain entrance to harmony with God in heaven forever. 2 Corinthians 5.21, we saw this verse a couple of weeks ago on the screen for you again. Notice in the case of what is this righteousness? For our sake, God made Jesus to be sin. For our sake, God made Jesus Christ to be sin. Even though he was perfect, he knew no sin. He was perfectly righteous. Why did God do that? Why did God give us his son in his perfection to die for us so that in Jesus Christ, we might become the, what's the word? righteousness of God. You see that? This is the righteousness that we can't get ourselves. We have to receive from Jesus Christ. This is the righteousness that Jesus Christ has given to those who receive him by faith. This is the righteousness we hunger for. This is the righteousness we thirst for. This is the righteousness only found in Jesus Christ that satisfies us anything and everything else will not. That we might become the righteousness of God. Romans chapter three, I'm gonna ask you to turn there. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter three, verse 21. Listen, if you wanna grow, you gotta to go to Romans chapter three. If you wanna grow, man, you gotta go. Romans chapter three, help your friends along. Help your friends along here. This righteousness of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter three, verse 21. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter three, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God, you guys all there? But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. You see, all the law can do is to point out that we are sinners. The law, because we are sinners, we can't fulfill the law in and of ourselves. So therefore, the righteousness of God has appeared beyond the law, apart from the law. And notice that the law and the prophets bear witness to it. This means that the Old Testament, that the Passover in Exodus is really a type. It's a shadow of the reality of the cross to come, the reality of the righteousness to come, that the whole sacrificial system presented in the Old Testament is ultimately pointing forward to Jesus Christ, pointing forward forward to when the righteousness of God will truly come down. These again are our messianic visions in Isaiah pointing to the one who will be the righteousness of God on behalf of God's people. Verse 22, the righteousness of God through faith. We can't do this. You must receive this by faith. Faith in who? Faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. This righteousness is received. We hunger and thirst through faith, through belief, through love for that which only Jesus Christ can give. Why through only Jesus Christ? For there's no distinction, verse 23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How many have sinned? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Is the Bible clear or unclear? It's very clear. We fall short of God's glory. Listen, verse 24. And are justified by his grace. What's grace? Grace is a gift. Grace is something you cannot earn. The moment you earn a gift, it no longer becomes a gift. It's, 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 it becomes a wage. 
We are justified, justified by his grace as a gift through redemption, through the redemption. What's redemption? It's being bought back. It's being purchased out of slavery from sin under Satan and our own sin. We have been redeemed back by Jesus Christ on the cross as God's gift to us if we believe. Notice verse 25, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. Big words here. What's propitiation? Really, it just means that Jesus Christ suffered God's wrath on our behalf. Whenever you see the word propitiation, think of the wrath of God. Here's the amazing part in our redemption in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died on the cross as as God's propitiation that he took on God's wrath that we would not have to. So we deserve the wrath of God because of our sin, because God righteously is holy and needs to punish sin, which is against him. Jesus Christ in our place takes on God's wrath and in turn, we receive God's favor. If we believe, if we see Jesus Christ as savior and as Lord, notice in verse 25, to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness. Because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. What does that mean? Passed over former sins. It means that those who believed before Jesus Christ came, those of faith in the Old Testament, they were looking forward to the cross. That is how they are forgiven. That is how they are saved because God passed over former sins. But the moment Jesus Christ dies on the cross, all sins, present, past, present, and future are forgiven for those who believe. That's what it means right there. This is the wonder of the righteousness of God passed through the righteousness of his son on the cross to die for anyone who truly believes in verse 26. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier. Notice how many times the Bible says this of the one who has faith, faith in Jesus. I'm not trying to overwhelm you there with all of that theological content. I'm trying to show you there's only one place that righteousness begins. When you see this righteousness for what it truly is, and then you value this righteousness, loved ones, listen, this is when you become famished for this righteousness. If you see it, if you see your sin causing Jesus Christ to die, and you see the reality that it's your darkness that Jesus Christ took on, and now you become light because of his love upon your life. When you see it, you value that. You don't stand before the cross board. You're not sitting there in apathy. You are astounded at the grace and the mercy and the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and you see it and you value it, and then you hunger for it. Then you thirst for more of the God who has saved you. You love in affection the Savior who has set you free from darkness and hell. This is the reality of what it means to live out the gospel. This is the righteousness that gives us life over death, that gives us heaven over hell. This is the righteousness that gives us joy over despair. This is the righteousness that satisfies us in happiness over misery. This is just so important. And here's what we must know. This righteousness begins at conversion, but doesn't end at conversion. This righteousness is supposed to grow in us 
two terms I want you to understand when it comes to righteousness. Number one is this. There's a term called legal righteousness. When you are saved at the cross, when you are converted to Jesus Christ, there is a legal righteousness that you received. It's called justification. Stay with me here, all right? This is so important. Justification is a one-time act, 100% God, nothing to do with us. And at that one-time act to be justified in the sight of God means that God has declared you to be legally righteous. It's a legal term. It's a courtroom term. It's a courtroom setting. Look at it this way. You stand before God in judgment day. You are by yourself. You stand there in your black sin. And God says to you, why should I let you into heaven? And you're like, uh, I went to church a couple of times. He's like, no, but you have sin all over you. If I'm God and if I'm holy, if I'm righteous, sin doesn't get into heaven because that would be contrary to my nature. You stand there by yourself. God puts the gavel down and rightly he says, in your sin, you are guilty. You are sentenced to death. But in Jesus Christ, here's what happens. You walk into the courtroom, you stand before God in his throne room and he's judge and God's about to pronounce you guilty because of your sin, which you have done. But all of a sudden, Jesus Christ walks into the courtroom and he stands beside you and he says, wait a second, Father, I know Robbie deserves death. I know Robbie deserves wrath. I know he has done everything in his own sin to merit this, that he should go to hell forever. But Father, because I love Robbie so much, unfathomably, I want to take on Robbie's sin. I want to take on the punishment that Robbie deserves. I want to go to the cross and die and bear your wrath, Father, because I love Robbie so much. The father looks at me, he looks at his son, and he says, Robbie, because of what my son has done in love for you, you can go now, you're free. Jesus Christ, you're sentenced to death for the sins you've never, ever committed because of the love that you have for those who believe and trust in you. That's justification. That is what it means to be set free. And at that moment, here's what's incredible, is that I am there in sin. My sin goes on Jesus and the righteousness of Jesus goes on me. It's a great exchange. That's legal righteousness. If you see that for what it is, you are blown away, not just for a day, for the rest of your life. And therefore you hunger and you thirst for the righteousness that has saved you, that has justified you, that has made you legally innocent in the sight of God. There's a legal righteousness, but there's also this, there's a moral righteousness. And here's what's so critical for us today. If you are declared legally righteous in the sight of God, you don't just get saved and then go live life every way you want to. When you see what Jesus has done for the rest of your life, you want to live and love him. That's moral righteousness. You see, if you're truly saved, you must grow. If you've truly been justified, you must be sanctified. There is no justification without sanctification, which means growing more like Jesus Christ. If you have been set free from sin, the rest of your life is a path towards holiness and love and affection and hunger and thirst for the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what it means in this beatitude. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Are we hungering? Are we thirsting for the righteousness that God has given to us in his son? Because we must be. Because if we're not, we might as well slap God in the face. Because we are saying, I know what you've done, God, but I don't really care because it's not impacting my life. And that's why if you love Matthew 5, verse six, listen, if you get this verse, when I 
When I'm in a good place and I gaze upon Matthew 5, verse six, and I read, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be satisfied. I'm telling you, my heart lights up. There's an affection triggered within my emotions. There's a a flame that burns in my soul. Like just, just when I say those words, something takes place in my heart because I know that this is supposed to be my life. This is supposed to be my desires. This is supposed to be my affections. And when I see that hungering and thirsting for righteousness, and then I see that word satisfied, immediately the darkness and the emptiness and my pursuits of trivial, stupid living are pointed out. And I say, yeah, Robbie, what are you doing? Go for that which truly satisfies. This should happen in your heart. As you listen to this message right now, your heart should be turning over. There should be a fluttering. There should be a delight in your mind. There should be an engagement for that which Jesus Christ deems is more important to you than anything else you could ever do. This trumps any business deal. This trumps anything your kids could ever accomplish. This trumps any virtue you might think you have and the things that you're proud of. There's nothing that compares to being satisfied in the ways of Jesus Christ. Too much of the church is asleep though. Too many Christians don't seem to care. Too many people are living in apathy and laziness. Where's the hunger? Where's the righteousness? Where's the joy? Where's the meaning? Where is this in the church today? Why is this so seldom seen? How come so many Christians are so weak? Because their appetite is so weak, that's why. There's no hunger. And where there's no hunger, there's no growth. So we plead with God today. God, give us a hunger. Give us a thirst for you, for there we shall be satisfied. We will be a church that's satisfied. We'll have bumps, but ultimately we're going in the right direction. There'll be hard days, that's the point. There'll be trial upon trial, that's the point. There'll be days when we fall, that's the point. We get up in the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ. We hunger and we thirst for righteousness. This is when I get sick to my spiritual stomach over the evil and the emptiness of our world and it sickens me listening to the lies that I buy into and the emptiness that I run after and the perpetual idiocy that I seem to live out. Where's the righteousness? Where's the satisfaction? But I think on deeper levels and so many Christians filling themselves with what might be called good things, but I'm like, where's the righteousness? Where's the holiness? Where's the passion? Where's the hunger? You know, I think about all the books that we read, all the conferences that we attend, all the studies we do, all the churches we visit, all the sermons that we listen to. But again, here's my question. Where's the righteousness? Where's the fruit from all these good things? Where's the hunger for the Lord? Why can't more Christians, why can't I just more simply just get my Bible open on my knees and just love my God? Why is it always some next thing I need to do or some next group I need to be a part of or next website I need to visit in relation? Why can't I just open my Bible and just love my God? Why can't I just pray more? Why can't I just have a a simple, growing, passionate hunger for the God who will meet me anywhere at any time in any way because that's how good he is? Where is that among the church today? We need it. And God wants that. And God's calling that from us today. Where's the righteousness Where's the simplicity of longing after him? Why is it that we can hit Tim Horton seven times a week, but barely hit our Bible at all? Because we don't hunger for righteousness. That's why. That's the problem. We will feed ourselves on that which we hunger for. We will drink from that which we thirst for. 
And because we don't hunger for the Lord truly, that's why we're ultimately not satisfied. You see here within this beatitude how happiness follows holiness. Happiness follows holiness. The goal is holiness. The byproduct is happiness, is satisfaction. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I hope you get, loved ones, what I'm about to say. I love the satisfaction of Jesus Christ. There is nothing greater. There's no greater place of purpose, of meaning, of satisfaction than having tears roll down your cheeks as you worship the Lord in song. There's no greater satisfaction than listening to testimonies of baptism declaring the the power and the glory of salvation in Jesus Christ. There's no greater satisfaction than waking up before the sun gets up and you're meeting with the living God who speaks to you, who corrects you, and who loves you. There's no greater satisfaction than being used for the glory of God. There's no greater satisfaction than denying your self-glory. There's no greater satisfaction than seeing sin in your life overcome and victory in Jesus Christ being held. There's no greater satisfaction than knowing you are in the will of God as opposed to the will of man or the will of this world. There is no greater satisfaction than being filled with the presence of God and adoring him within your life. There's no greater satisfaction than resisting pride and seeing the humility and the grace that God gives There's no greater satisfaction than being convicted under the power of God's spirit than being drenched by the shower of God's mercy and grace upon your lives as you feel him embracing you, the father of the heavens and the earth, loving you one-on-one. There's nothing that comes close to that. That is the satisfaction that God is offering again today. This is the satisfaction that God calls us to again today. But what does that mean? It means that we got to do something about it. He calls us back from apathy. He calls us back from worldliness. He calls us back from greed. He calls us back from sinful lust. He calls us back from the lust of the flesh and the lust of the world. He calls us back from our idols. He calls us back from mud pies. He calls us to life, the blessed life. Here's what C.S. Lewis said. He said, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. So he says, so we're like ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. And here's how he ends it. We are far too easily pleased. And he's right. Here's what I pray for today. Not today. We are not too easily pleased today. Today's a new day. Today's a different day. Today's a day when God is calling people to something greater. You know, in Jeremiah's day, one of the greatest evils, it says in Jeremiah 2, is that the people use broken cisterns, metaphors for the fact they kept trying to live life in things that were man-made that they thought could, could hold water. But every time they go man's way, it's broken. It cannot hold the water they need. God says, do it my way and you will get everything that you've ever needed. This is what he's telling us again today for us to simply admit where we have been or have not been, but now we get to run in the love and the grace and the blessing of what God will do. Loved ones, look right here. This is so important, ready? God will not bless your sin, but God will bless his righteousness in you. God will never bless your sin, but God will bless his righteousness within you. And this is so great too, ready, ready? And he will bless and he will bless and he will bless and he will bless. 
This blessing cannot be exhausted. You have no idea how much blessing God will give to you if you pursue him, if you run in this way, if you follow hard after him, if you trust in him for his righteousness that you hunger and thirst for. You have to believe today that this beatitude is the best possible meal ever. You have to believe there is no greater diet, there is no greater sustenance, there is no greater nourishment for your soul than if you hunger and you thirst for righteousness. Again, here's my question. Do you hear him calling you? Do you hear God calling you today for hunger and a thirst for him? You will not grow without this spiritual appetite. You will not grow in Jesus Christ unless you hunger for him. This is why a loss of spiritual hunger is one of the most serious things a Christian will face. There is no maturity. There is no growth apart from hungering for him. This is why God says, run to me. This is why God says, I'm calling out to you. This is why we must live for the Lord again. And this is the greatest battle that Satan brings upon us. The temptation to not believe in Matthew 5, verse 6. This is one of the greatest spiritual battles we face. That we are tempted to believe every day that happiness is found somewhere else. This past week in the battle and struggle with my own sin, I was leaving the church and walking out to the parking lot by myself. My car was the only car there. I remember being that point and totally broken and just, again, struggling with the temptation really to walk away from a message like this. And we're saying out loud and tears in my eyes and just recognizing what Satan's trying to get me to do and saying, Satan, you will not win. You will not win. You will not destroy this church. Jesus Christ has won, but even in this battle within this war, Satan, you will not win because I'm gonna run to Jesus Christ. And I'm going to believe what he has said and I'm going to get destroyed in the process and I'll be as weak as ever, but you will not win, Satan. You will not win because I belong to my God and because he loves me so much and he promises me that if I hunger and thirst for righteousness, then I will be satisfied. And this is the battle we live. Are you in a tough time? That's supposed to be tough. Are you having a difficult time? It's supposed to be difficult. Are you having times of doubt and despair? It's supposed to be at times that way. And that's when the light of the Lord becomes most bright. That's when the love of God becomes most strong. Don't you see? Don't you see? He uses these times in our greatest battles to highlight our greatest need, him, his righteousness. That is when you hunger and thirst for things that actually matter and things that actually count. He's the answer to everything we could ever want. His righteousness upon our lives. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. So I speak to two people here today. First person I speak to is the person who's never known the righteousness of Jesus Christ ever. You've never known the love of God ever. You've never embraced by faith what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, the forgiveness of your sins. I pray that today is your day, that today is the day of salvation. I pray you may not know how you got here. You may not know even all that's going on, but I pray today you will know this, that Jesus Christ loves you and he wants your sins. He wants to forgive you and he wants to set you free from death and to give you everlasting life. You have to turn to him. You have to place your sins at his feet at the cross and you have to give him faith and control of your life that you may say, Jesus, I am done with self. I'm done with the world. I need your righteousness in the best way you possibly can. You cry out to him and you call to him to come and live within you. That's the first person I talk today. And the second person I talk today is the believer, the Christian, the Christian who will admit, the Christian who will admit this, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. 
At one point, I had a hunger for the Lord. And at one point, I was hungering and thirsting for the things of Jesus Christ, but something has changed. And I have strayed. And I have walked away in a sense. And my flame has gone down. And my thirst is not very strong right now. In reality, I know I'm not where God wants me to be, but today's a new day for you. Today's a new day where God is calling you back to himself then. Today's a day where he is saying, I will give within you a hunger and a thirst, but you need to come to me, my child. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Today is the day God calls out to you specifically, you. And he says, you come, you come and you kneel before me and you see how I satisfy you. Thanks for listening to Live in the Light today. If you'd like to hear this message again or any messages in this series, visit us online at liveinthelight.ca. Live in the Light exists to see radical transformation in God's people through the revelation of God's truth. We believe that through the faithful and passionate preaching of God's word, disciples will be made and the church will be strengthened. Our prayer is as people are impacted by Live in the Light, they will be renewed in mind, reinforced in faith, and resolved in will to live in Jesus Christ. That's all for today. Join us next time at Live in the Light. I want to be in the light as you are in the light.